My name is Sterling Harjo, and I'm Muscogee Creek and Seminole. I'm also Italian, and I think there's some Scottish and Irish in there somewhere. Um, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm from uh, rural Oklahoma, a town called Holdenville. And I live in Tulsa now, currently in Santa Fe. And, uh, yeah, I do. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a writer-director. I produce documentaries. I, I produce a show for tv show i do uh, podcasts and um 1491s i i one of the founders of the 1491 so you know we've been doing that for it's crazy like seven years now and um so yeah i now we also got commissioned to write a play so i'm i'm learning more about theater now and so anything that i can do i try to do so how did how did you go from like growing up in rural Oklahoma to like being in this like public viewing space, film yeah. and all that stuff? It was weird. Like, I mean, I was always the kid. I think that I was always the kid in my family that everyone knew that I was going to do something like this from like day one. I think like because I was always the you know the not the weird cousin. Like me and my cousins are close, but like I was always the cousin that was like drawing something. And, like, you know, I think I got into that reaction of, like, creating a piece of art and showing it to someone and people being, like, blown away by it, you know? Like, there was something addictive to that. Like, because, like, you're creating something from scratch and it did, that didn't exist before. And then you create this thing that now exists. And so, I, when, as a kid, I remember learning how to draw with my uh, uncle and my, da- my dad, both of them really good artists and um i you know at that point i drew like these kind of mr potato head people and stuff and it was just whatever um but i always admired them because they could draw and i was like four probably and i remember uh i was like how do you draw people so well you know and so my uncle my dad we were sitting down at my aunt's uh we were sitting down at her dining table and they were like, uh, all right, draw a stick man. So I drew a stick man. And then they're like, all right, now put meat on it. And so then I put meat on, you know, like flesh on it. And then like, I now put clothes on it. And then I put clothes on it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so easy, you know? It was such an easy thing. And, uh, and, it, and you know, like, and I grew up, my dad was an artist, but he never pursued it. And so I grew up with my grandma and my dad both saying, like, once they knew that I could draw... And that I had that sort of mind. They always said, um, don't, don't let it go to waste. Like, you have to pursue it. Don't give up on it. Because my grandma would be like, you know, your dad's such a good artist. And he never, he never saw it through. And he could have been an artist, you know. <clears throat> and um, my dad was the same way. He's like, don't ever give it up. I wish I hadn't, you know. Which, you know, he was probably my age right now at the time. He could have easily kept doing it, you yeah, know. But, yeah, um, it was like there was a, you know, he, he sort of went a, down a different path, which was like working and supporting us. And um, and so I, I was just sort of addicted to that. 
I think I, I, you know, I think I got into that being able to produce something and like people responding to it. And so I just drew, I, that's all I did was a kid was I drew all the time and I was getting in trouble in class. Um, you know, I remember getting paddled, uh, in fifth grade, which like, I didn't realize paddling was like crazy until, cause I got paddles all the way up through senior year in high school. Are you fucking Yeah. Me? And so I didn't realize that was weird. That react until I got that reaction. Once we went to college, <clears throat> I would tell people stories and be like, you fucking, you go, you what? You got paddled? Like, yeah. What are you talking? Like everyone did, you know, it's like rural Oklahoma, you know, it's like, like you, you got paddled for fun there, you know, like, <laughs> and Girl, so, we're bored. Yeah. And so, but I remember getting paddled in the fifth grade and, um, cause I was drawing while she was t- teaching and you know, which is fucked up. Like I would never let my kid get beat with a board now, you know, like, but like then it was just like, yeah, that's the thing. You know, it was like tough Oklahoma, like, well, yep. And they call it a paddle, yeah, so yeah. it like doesn't sound so gnarly. Yeah, yeah. Like, or you got licks. That was the other thing. You got you some licks. And um, so, you know, so I got paddled outside of the classroom. And it's crazy just to think about that, like that power trip. Like, she took me outside. I had to bend over. And then she just like swung a board and hit my ass, you know? And so, but she did it for drawing. And I remember the last day of school, <clears throat> I was having everyone sign the yearbook, you know, like you do. And she signed my yearbook and it said something. And I think she felt bad about that because it said something like someday I'm going to read about you in the paper and you're going to be a famous artist. And she was like, don't give up or don't, you know, whatever, you know. And it was like sweet of her to do that, even though she beat me with a board. But <clears throat> and then years later, I saw her and I think she was really kind of apologetic about it. But uh, <laughs> so I was always getting in trouble for drawing, whatever. And that's what I wanted to be. I want to be a painter. And I, I knew I was going to do something like that. And I, there was this campaign in my hometown where they asked kids to draw something. Like, it was like a anti-pollution uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. And so I drew this picture of, like, uh, I wish I still had it. But it was this picture of, like, uh, all of these. Um, it was, like, the ocean and then, like, a dock. A big-ass boat. All these people. All these fish. And it was, like, this whole scene it was like a scene that was actually going on of like pollution going into the water, fish dying, they're floating to the top, they're getting sick, <laughs> people on the side, you know? So it was like this epic thing, just like drawn with a number two pencil. Awesome. And um, I won I, know, I won first place in that, and I got to go down to the hometown bank. I thought it was the biggest deal day of my life. You know, I go down with my mom to the hometown bank. They present me with an award. And it was a $15, like I got $15 for, I thought I was like rich, you know, like I think I went straight to Walmart and like bought whatever. And, um, so that, you know, like, I think that was also like impactful, you know? Um, and then my dad was, is a martial arts instructor to this day. And so from the age of four, I was also in martial arts and, and, you know, through martial arts, you know, my dad was always like, my dad was a huge, like Bruce Lee fan and, um, you know, he would have us kids and a lot of native kids were in his class too. And like, uh, he would have us kids like meditating, you know, at class at night and, you know, and there's a discipline that goes along with martial arts that my dad stressed. And so I think that also kind of formed some of like what I ended up doing. And I just wasn't afraid to like talk to people. I was always kind of like, you know, personable and, uh, but I was always the weird cousin. I was always the one that was like making crazy shit and you know, or whatever. The other thing that was going on was 
I, for some reason, got this thing where I just absorb people's stories and like, uh, I love people. I got, you know, learned how to talk to everyone. And my mom had a great deal to do with that. <clears throat> it was one of those, those Indian things where it's like, no matter where we would go, <clears throat> my dad's more kind of like man of the woods. I don't want to go to town. Like we would go hunting and he doesn't want to be surrounded by people. My mom, on the other hand is like, <clears throat> you know, if there's a funeral and that, you know, she'll go to three, four funerals in a week and only be only really know two of them, but just know some of the family of the other. So it was like always like my mom was always a part of this, like, you know, she still is where someone passes away, let's help them. And so it was always like taking them food. Let's go to their house. Let's go, let's go cry with them. Let's go mourn with them or whatever. We have to go to the funeral. We have to be there, you know, and, and also she would take me to these community events all the time. She worked for the Seminole nation. She would take me to these community events all the time. And at the time I was, I was really annoyed with it, but she would take me into these places and say, you go shake everyone's hand, you know? So I would like spend the next 15 minutes shaking everybody's hand. And I was always that kid, you know, there's always that kid that has to go shake everybody's <laughs> hand. <clears throat> and you're, you know, you're annoyed with it at the time, but now I'm so grateful because I know all these people, you know, and I know all these elders that are gone now. And like, um, I, you know, they knew me. And so people still know me this day that I don't even know. And it's because I was shaking their hands when I was young. And, um, she, and it was also like, you know, everyone was my cousin. <clears throat> she was telling me everyone that was my cousin. I was like, man, how many cousins do I have? And so I got to know a lot of people that way. And because of that, and also because of my family, um, I got to, I, I got it. Like, I just, I'm a person that absorbs people and like their stories. Like, I want to know more about everything, you know? And so I was always in the kitchen with uh, like elders over coffee listening to their stories and having them tell their stories over and over and over <clears throat> and even if i had heard those stories before and even if they knew they told me those stories before they were always willing to tell me those stories again and so i got these repeated stories over and over and over and i would just like <clears throat> that was like a perfect day for me if i could just sit and like listen to these stories and it turns out like my family's pretty amazing storytellers i mean like whether you want scary stories you know, superstition, magic, whether you want, like, wh whether you, whether they tell a story about going down to the store, like I have like aunties and uncles that are just like, you know, they'll tell you about going to the store and it's the smallest story, but the way they tell it is so big. And so whenever I started making films, that's what I wanted to try to capture was like, I want to tell, I, you know, a low budget film, I'm not going to get big budgets for these films. I want to tell these like small stories, but in a big way and like have them be impactful, like my family, you know? So, um, I was just absorbing all of that and I grew up, it was just such a magical thing to me. Cause like I grew up like, you know, we, we had these, whether it was like stories about witches or like stories about like, um, shape shifting or like stories about like, you know, people dying or like, you know, humorous stories or whatever. Like I just was, it was like a surrounded by them. And, you know, we were at, in a lot of these things, we were at my grandma's house a lot. And there was always this, like, kind of, like, uh, magical element to the forest around her house. Like, she's out in the sticks. And, like, it was always this, like, oh, there's, like, something out there, you know, whether good or bad. There's something out there. Mm -hmm. And it excited us kids. And so, 
you know, we would always like scare ourselves at night or in the daytime we would just like get lost in the woods. And like, I remember like with my cousins, like wandering out and just seeing how far we could go and getting lost, like forgetting where, how to get home. And then we ended up in a farmer's, uh, field. And so we'd go up to the farmer's house and say, we got lost. Can we get a ride? He'd, and he knew my grandma and he'd give us a ride, you know? And so all of that to say, I think that's what led me to do what I do, but I didn't really get into that until I was, uh, in college. Cause I had no idea that it was even an option to make films. You know, it was like, um, I didn't even know you could do that, but I was a huge fan of movies my dad and I watched everything together, but we watched war movies like insane. Like my dad and I can like quote war movies to this day. We watched Platoon, um, the big red one, Hamburger Hill. There's a sh- TV show called The Tour of Duty that we could quote the whole show. And um, so we were into that. And along with that, we were into guns and we were into hunting. And I remember me and my uncle and my dad getting together and like uh, going camping and I mean, we would get like full on commando. Like my dad was like always the guy that had like a, you know, there's always that one guy in the, in the army Vietnam movie that has the bandana, kind of the Rambo rogue guy. Mm-hmm. That was always him. I was always like, I always liked having the helmet and all that shit on and the machete. I would always like cut through trees. <laughs> my uncle was, you know, the regular Joe or whatever. And like, we would go out with guns, go camping and then like, uh, you know, we'd go hunting or whatever. So there was that period but we, my dad and I also were into these 80s movies like Lost Boys, Howard the Duck, uh, Stand By Me, anything like that. And we just like had our favorites and we just devoured them. And I remember the f- when I was young, the thriller, uh, the thriller video came out. And when you bought the thriller video, it also had the making of thriller. And I thought that was amazing. Like I didn't know. You know I had no idea that, that you could do all that. So that was cool. But I didn't know you could make films. Like, I just still didn't know it was an option for me, an Indian kid from rural Oklahoma. And so, but when I got to college, I was in painting school. To be in painting school, you had to have a 2.5 GPA. And so the first semester, I just, like, partied and, you know, like, kind of, mm-hmm. I did fine. But, like, I was not necessarily into school. And I got, like, a 2.3 GPA or something. And so I had to go on academic probation. And, and, but, and so I couldn't take any art classes, but I found out, and I'd already been interested in film at the time. I started writing this script, but I found out that the film school, you only had to have a 2.0 to be in film. So you're like, yes. Yeah. So I took an intro to film and video studies and I just fell in love with it. I switched and I fell in love with that class because I had a teacher named Misha Nadelkovich and he was like, had this contagious like love of cinema. And once I learned that it was a language, like, oh, you can say things with the camera. It's not just randomly placed somewhere. Like you, you, you can speak to audiences through it. Then I was like, it was over for me. And then I just like devoured film history and like got into like all of these other filmmakers and learned more as much as I could. Um, and yeah. And so it went from there to, uh, you know, and you know, like I was in love with all the like romantic, like, uh, you know, whether like I got into the beat general, I got into reading books and like, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff. It's like, oh man, there's so much I want to explore. And like, uh, one of the first scripts I wrote, 
I moved away from home and my grandma wrote me a letter and she said, you should, you should write a story about the, she wrote me a letter and said, you should write a story about some of these Indian churches around here, which if you know those Indian Christian churches where I'm from, it's such an interesting, different world. It's like, um, cause they're kind of mixed with medicine and like, uh, traditions, you know, and, and they're just as like sacred as like the traditional side. And a lot of people do both and they're always out in the woods and like, there's just such a history to them and like, um, you know, a light and a darkness to them. And so it just like inspired, inspired me, I think to like, uh, and I got into independent film at the time, but it inspired me to say, uh, to, to, to realize that like, Oh, like people could be interested in where I'm from and they don't know about this stuff, you know? And so then I started, you know, writing about home and, and then it, you know, I don't know how it all happened, but I got lucky in some <laughs> regard. And, um, you know, it really took off when I wrote a script Four Sheets to the Wind. I got accepted into the Sundance uh, Writers Lab and, and Directors Lab. And that was sort of my stamp of approval and let, open the doors for everything. Come down from your mountain. Oh, I miss your holy shouting. These days I can't make you make a sound. Take me to the times when we look up to the skies and Climb up there and draw the thunder down Now I'm forcing myself into um, How did you come to be into the other facets of your work? Um, it seems like you're a very social person, so it, it seems natural that 1491s would begin. Mm -hmm. But what is the story with that? Like, how does that tie into you? Yeah. Uh, you know, like... For some reason, I've been really good at not being afraid to put stuff out for better or for worse. It's just like, I'm going to put it out. Like, I don't, you know, like, I'm not going to be precious about anything. And, you know, along with that, YouTube sort of fits perfectly. And I was making these sort of, like, I'm making these films that are dramatic in nature because that's what I'm... It's just like, you know, if I'm going to spend an hour and a half of your time, like, I'm going to get serious, you know? And not to say I wouldn't do a comedy, but, like, at first, that's what I was just interested in doing. And I tried to, like, capture both. Like, if you watch my films, they're not just, you know, there's some heavy shit going on. But I promise, like, you know, Barking Water is a film of mine, and it's about a man dying, the whole film. But, I, but it is funny, you know? Like, and hopefully it's one of the funnier films about a man dying the whole time, you know? And, um, and it's funny that when I show that film to Indians, it's like, it was like, you know, I show it to white folks and it's like, no, you don't hear anything. It's just like sadness. And then I showed it, I remember showing it Imaginative and it was like 650 people or something. And it was like all natives. And you would have thought it was like dumb and dumber, you know, like a fucking comedy. <laughs> Thank God, the subtleties. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, um, and that's the thing is like our humor is best when it's subtle. Um, but with the 1491s, it was like, oh, here's an opportunity to just be funny. And like, uh, and you can say so much in a short amount of time with these videos and no one's doing it. It was, that's the thing. It was like, no one's doing this. How has that not happened yet? Mm -hmm. Like how has, you know, we have a lot of like, um, we have a lot of people 
with the opportunity to do, you know, like I sometimes question why people are wanting to do something. It's like, are you wanting to make something good? Are you wanting to just get your name known and get laid or something, you know, (laughs) because that's not what I've been interested in. It's not what collectively the 1491s have been interested in. I mean, we talk about that, how boring we are, you know, it's like, um, we're like, our dads would be so like disappointed in us, you know, like we're traveling through Indian country and like, everyone's got a girlfriend and like going to bed, you know? And, um, you know, and, but I see people where I don't, I'm not sure where, what they're in it for, you know? And it's like, I'm, you know, and in my work, I'm always trying to be better. You know, it's like, I want to be better and I want to be good and I want to structure this good. And so when we started doing these comedic videos, it was like, uh, none of us were quote unquote comedians or whatever. It was just like, Oh, we're funny. Like we have fun. Let's do something. And we, you know, it was never designed. It was never planned to be what it is. Um, we just all got together. Uh, we'd been doing little stuff. Ryan and I had been doing some little stuff. Da- Dallas and Megazy had been doing little stuff. We met Bobby uh, Wilson down here in Santa Fe Indian Market one day. So randomly met this kid with like a pin who was like, you know, writing graffiti on signs through Santa Fe. He was about to apply to... I, I and come to school down here and Ryan doesn't drink. Bobby doesn't drink. And so, and I was showing a film here. And so of course I had like five Indians crashing on my floor and, and, and <laughs> with me, but I didn't I only thought I had two. And so I went out that night and I come home at like to my hotel, like two in the morning and there's like fucking three people on the floor. I think two people are like hunching on the floor uh, my friend Sadelta is like in the chair with like pill- all the pillows in the room is all, uh, all over her like she's a queen. And then Bobby and Ryan are in my bed. And, uh, and they, I don't remember what I said, but they were all, they, I mean, not because I was drunk, but just because it was a long time ago. But like uh, they said that I said, uh, oh, hell no. And then I slapped Ryan on the stomach. I'm like, scoot over, bitch. <laughs> and so I end up sleeping with. Bobby Wilson, the first night I met him, he's in the middle and Ryan's on the side. That's the most action we've ever seen collectively is the fortunate one. <laughs> A beautiful yeah, beginning. <laughs> yeah. And so we knew those guys up north and I was showing a film up north in Minneapolis. And so we got in touch with Migazy and Dallas and we were like, hey, let's do a video together. And they knew Bobby as well. Dallas did. And so we brought Bobby into the fold. We were all sitting around, a lot of us that night, trying to f- come up with an idea to do. And we had all these ideas, and they were funny. But it just didn't feel like we found the idea. And I had, like, thrown my back out at the time. I was hanging out with my friend Amy Bauer. Shout out to her. She was, uh, we, I was hanging out with her in Boulder and went, went rollerblading for the first time. <laughs> and... And Sorry. she and she wasn't good at it either, and like we end up hitting this hill and going down in this park. I don't know why the fuck we were rollerblading, and so, <laughs> so we hit the random. yeah we hit this hill, and like just I just eat shit, wipe out, you know. And it was fine, and then I went and showed Barking Water in Canada at Imaginative the the weekend after that. And I remember like I was nervous, so I was like hunched down and like kind of bent over the whole time in the audience. They loved it, but like I was just nervous watching it the whole time, like frozen. And so my back was kind of hunched over the whole time. 
And then I got on stage to do the Q&A and I remember like talking and then like, I remember like stepping kind of weird and just feeling this like, this like feeling I've never felt before go up my spine. I was like, oh shit, something's wrong. And then it just started hurting. And then, but then like an hour later it was okay. And then I flew home and then Ryan and I drove to Minneapolis and that's where we met up with those guys. Somewhere in there my back just like goes out. And so I'm like hurting and like, um, I'm in pain. I'm on like muscle relaxers. I don't know where I got them. And, uh, the, um, oh no, that's what happened. So when I went home, I got home from Canada. I was like in bed for a week on muscle relaxers. And then I felt good enough that I could go, but I was really worried about my back. And so we go to, um, meet with those guys. We're trying to come up with an idea. And then Ryan and I broke off and we went and got some, uh, dinner, I think. And it just dawned on me that the uh, twilight, the new twilight, new moon was coming out. And I told Ryan, I was like, we should do uh, a new moon wolf pack, like the audition. And he was like, oh, hell yeah. So I texted Megazine. He was like, hell yeah. And so then we spread it around. I was like, hell yeah. And then like Bobby was working for this like uh, community youth center. And so he had the keys to it. So the next day we go and we meet up. And that's why I'm sitting down most of the time. I, mean, I was carrying the camera for a lot of it, but like when I was acting, I was like sitting down because my back, I was in pain and I had like a hood on and a hat because I didn't know how this was going to go over and I didn't want to like totally be seen. <laughs> and so, but it was one of those things where we had so much fun doing it. And you know, I've heard people say this before where it was like, oh, I just knew it was special when we were doing it. And I, you know, I never experienced that, but that I did then. It was like, you know, we were all just had this feeling of like, oh shit, something's happening here. Like something in the universe has changed and there's no going back. And it was so much fun and it's going to, and it doesn't matter if it's good or not. Cause we had like, we did something, you know, something happened. And so then we put it out and we didn't, you know, and like we it didn't think, we didn't think we would keep doing it. We just were going to put one out. But I remember Ryan and I driving home from Minneapolis together, just like high, just like on this other level in like the spirit world. And we were just like, man, I don't know if it's going to be good, but it feels like it is something amazing happened. That was one of the best times of my life, you know, cause we were just dying the whole time laughing. And, um, so I went and edited the, the video and then we put it out and it just took off. Like it was like wildfire. It was like, we started getting all these messages and people like, you know, the views were just like growing and growing and like people were like writing us and like, Oh my God, you got to do more of these. I remember Thosh, was at a um, he was at a conference in like San Diego or something, and there were these like elder women all huddled around a computer watching the video. You know, as a photo of that, and I was like, whoa, like what the hell? Because I thought young people would like it. You know, because that's what it was about. It was like no one else has done this. There's not a place for for natives our age to go and laugh online with you know edgy subversive uh, humor that's kind of pushing an envelope and like not trying to be safe and i didn't but then like of course i should have realized this but elders loved it you know because they didn't have it either and so once that happened we were like shit man we should do more of these and so we did some more and then we finally were like fuck we gotta like make this a thing like we went through all these different names that we were trying to like we were called the billy jack so i mean we were trying to like decide what we were like gonna do (laughs) and then we came up with the 1491s and uh ryan made a logo and that's what's cool is like all of us have different strengths. Mm-hmm. We're all different in different types. Like you have Dallas, who's like an activist and environmentalist, and then you have um, 
you know, Migazy, who's a writer, and then you have uh, uh, Bobby, who's a visual artist, and also just like, you know, has never met a stranger, uh, uh, you know, like charismatic, like guy. he, you know, he's like a front man, you know, and then uh, and then Ryan, who's a graphic artist, you know, who can like a graphic designer who can. And then me, I'm a filmmaker and storyteller, so it's like, and a writer, and so it's like all of this stuff sort of fits together, you know? And it's like, um, and, you know, so it wasn't, I like the fact that we have other interests and like come from other places, you know? Yeah, it seems like it's a little complicated for you all to get together to do the yeah. work now that you all are kind of um, blossoming yeah. in your own respects. How yeah, do you, it is. How do you keep it going? Yeah, it's weird. It's like, I mean, there's two, there's a couple things. One, we're getting old and lazy and we don't like, it's not as easy to just like, you know, we just don't have the fire in us as much anymore to go out and say, oh, let's go do this video and this video and this video, you know? Um, but the biggest thing is not necessarily, well, it's always been hard for us to get together, you know? So that's not been the biggest problem. The bigger problem is the, 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 the we want to grow, you know, it's like you can only do those videos for so long on YouTube, you know? So we like, I, you know, the work's been done. It's just not been done to video. So I've written a feature link script already for us. Um, I've written a pilot for a TV show for us. Uh, we got commissioned to write a play. So we've been going and, and we've been going to the Oregon Shakespeare company and new native theater um, commissioned us to write a play. So we've been going to Asheville, not Asheville, uh, Ashland, Oregon and writing a play to on these retreats. And like, we'll talk about doing videos when we're together, but then it's like, you know, we're already writing a play and we're just kind of hanging out. We all like, you know, we're all like foodies and stuff. So it's like, you know, we got spoiled and we got some money and like, we're all just like, ah, well, let's just go eat at the nice Vietnamese restaurant. And maybe we'll film a video. And then we don't, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I think it'll, I, I, you know, and we're talking to someone about doing a sketch comedy show. So I think that you all are hopefully growing. next year there's going to be a bigger, up. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think next year it'll be a pretty big year for it. Yeah. It was also like Standing Rock. There was something about, we, there was something selfish about, I felt like it was selfish to go make funny videos for people about us, you know, in that moment when that was going on. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my efforts and our efforts were like, I was just like, like everyone was like, I was glued to social media, you know? And like, I was like, uh, you know, worried about people. I was like, uh, you know, it was like all of the, all of the art and all the attention kind of focused there, you know? And like, um, I, I, you know, I didn't want to like necessarily film there, but like I wanted to, I, you know, I, I wanted to be there, you know, like, I mean, the first time I went, I drove the whole, like Tulsa had a huge rally. It was awesome. Tulsa came together and like had this rally and everyone donated and my production company, we have a van. So we took out the back seat and we just loaded it from head to toe and I drove by myself to Standing Rock and took the donations there. And like, you know, it was like little stuff like that, that I wanted to do. And, you know, we were going to make a feature and we were going to go on Kickstarter and like start asking for money. But Standing Rock happened. It was like, oh, and Dallas was, you know, one of the kind of front people up there. And it was like, we can't like go ask for money now. Like that would be stupid, you know? So yeah. 
so you know um i feel like this year was uh it was almost like uh standing rock was sort of this i think it sort of like solidified our places in the world you know it's like uh you know we showed people how to get out of their house and like and let your voice be heard and it was more about that than i feel like films or anything you know like or if you're doing something it you know it should be geared towards that you know so yeah i think it connected people in this huge way and um connected art into a way that is proactive no matter what you're doing totally it's just like yeah, yeah. wake up you have privilege as totally. an artist as people who you have people who follow you like lead yeah. them well <laughs> yeah exactly and so i think some of that had to be um you know, there's a lot of self-reflection in that, you know. How do you feel about all of these like aftermath films and documentaries and all this? Like, let's talk about that regarding yeah. Standing Rock. Like, what's your take? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, like, I shot some there, and um, you know, it was one of those things where you just I what what I saw was kind of like white people doing the same thing that they always do. It was a sort of colonization of uh, colonization of story. And it was like, we all of us artists, we've been doing this stuff for so long. And we've been doing it without money or without like global acclaim. Because we knew that the stories were important. We knew that they're good and we knew that they're interesting and we knew that there's something here. And we had to. And so Standing Rock happens and it's like all of a sudden all these filmmakers from all over, you know, that are non-native, they're like, oh my God. They don't even know what they have, you know? It's such a rich world and story. Like, let's go. Let's go film, show them how to do this, you know? And it's like, you know, so it's such a selfish thing. Like, I feel like, you know, um, uh, there was, I got asked to, uh, so there was a filmmaker, he made Gasland. And he, he made a film about Standing Rock that showed at Tribeca. And a friend of mine that works there wrote me and asked if I would come and and do the moderate the Q&A with him because the non-native filmmaker wanted a native to curate the Q&A. Of course he wants a non a native to curate the Q&A because he probably doesn't know what he's talking about necessarily. I'm sure he knows a lot about or the oil and gas industry, but he also needs you to come validate uh this film that he did because he's probably worried about the fact that um he's non-native and there's plenty of capable, you know, but it was also like like I could have went up there and made a documentary but I, it was just like, like, like having my, my love and like my body and like my, my, my help was more important, you mm. know? So that came first. Um, and so it is a little bit annoying. I feel like, uh, you know, there's so many documentaries coming out, like about Standing Rock, people that were shooting there. And I've been asked to be producers on them or executive producers and they want your name on it and blah, blah, blah. 
Um, but I'm just not necessarily interested because, you know, it would have it would have been great. Uh, you know, it would have been really great if all those filmmakers would have helped natives tell that story. You know, um, and I don't think that natives are the only people that can tell their story. I don't think that. I think that. You know, there's certain artists and non-natives that have great perspectives on native life and whatever. Like, I one of my favorite films is Dead Man by Jim Jarmusch. You know, like, and and I like that it's obviously from a non-native, but he also took the time to research things and like made it in his way. It's his film. It's his voice that made that. So if you have a voice like that, you can tell a story, and like it doesn't have to be you know whatever. But like, if you're trying to, if you're trying to speak for a people and 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 be the vo- the the microphone to their voice like you should you know have them involved from the beginning and you should support native filmmakers to tell those stories i think yeah i don't think it should be an afterthought yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so so i have a uh, it's funny i have a standing rock i and i never thought i would do this like i never th- i just wasn't in me to do this you know um because i had no i i just didn't think it would happen but like um, I got frustrated with all the projects that I feel like aren't going to show what I saw there. And so I have a script that I'm writing um, that, and I won't go into detail about what it's about, but it, it is a love story. And it's what I want to show is how there were, how different people got different things out of it. Whereas some people might have love and take love with them. And th- cause that's what I experienced was like, I, I somehow I was there when nothing crazy was going on. I got every time I went, it was just like everyone's singing songs and we're just hanging out and telling jokes and like by the campfire. And that's what I was attracted to at that place. Like it was like this communal love with all these different people from different communities. And that was beautiful to me. And like, that's what I took is like, it it showed us how to live and it showed us what we need to take home in our own lives. And that's what I took from it. I have friends that took different things from it. And I have friends that took, we have to fight, you know, all of those things you need, you know, and I think in our indigenous cultures, you know, we also need that balance and that harmony. We need both sides, you know, like, like we have um, this idea in our, in our mythology that's like, you know, there's, there's the, the medicine and the peace side. And then there's the war side and you have to have both to have a full community, you know? And, um, and I want to express that, you know? And so I've been writing a script that I actually think that I'm going to make. Um, and, but it's not about, it's not necessarily about, it's not about standing around. It's about two people and what they take from a place like that, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's a weird thing and it's like, uh, I, th- you know, I mean, I got, I got called the other day. I was like, somebody wrote me and they said, uh, Hey Sterling, like, um, and they act like they knew me. It was like, a, I think that was the tactic. It was like, Hey, you know, just, just writing and say hi, you know? And like, uh, <laughs> it was like, uh, we, we'd love you to be a producer on our film or is that, and it was like, it felt like they were trying to say like, oh, we're taking a different approach, you know? So it's like, we're making a sci-fi comedy documentary about Standing Rock and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa. And, they, and they'd been shooting, I guess, while they were there. And it was just like, what the fuck is that, you know? Oh, my God. A sci-fi <laughs> comedy documentary about Standing Rock. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Do you think that Standing Rock has initiate, initiated some major change in like um like indigenous collective consciousness? Do you think that Yeah. Th- the tipping point has happened? Yeah, definitely. Um but you know, there is a danger in saying we're all, you know, it's like there is a danger in saying we're all the same and cuz you know, like just like with every movement that you have, there's there's the good, there's the bad, there's the ugly, and there's everything, you know, and you have, and, and the, and, and you have to approach it like that, you know, it's going to be everything. And I get nervous about people that take on the leadership roles that might not be ready for that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't be ready for that. I've seen what it's done to Dallas, you know, like I've seen the pressure that he's had, um, you know, like when I saw him, you just wanted to hug him the first time after going through, you know, because there's also people that talk shit on him, our own people, you mm-hmm. know, that go online and talk shit about choices that he's made or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's just like people trying to make you like, like no one's perfect, you know? So like, uh, I just try to give everyone slack and know that all of this came together because of love and because of something that needed to happen. And, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. And we have to allow people to have their space to, you know, go through whatever they're, they're going to go through with it, you know. And um, I've seen people come back and become leaders in their communities, which is, I think, a beautiful thing. I've seen people come back and, you know, face trauma and, like, and, and, and you know have to deal and process some dark shit that happened to them you know um but hopefully we can all take the lessons and everything that we learn from that and keep keep moving forward and 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 you know like you know making what was started at standing rock and and, because i think it did wake up the world i mean it woke up the world and like i mean the fossil fuel industry is is toast because of it you know it's just a matter of time and maybe it won't be in our lifetime i don't know but like it shifted a whole way of thinking Mm. um seeing people sacrifice themselves and fight for something um as important as water and like and putting their lives on the line like that it just woke people up and it's like you know it's only you know and and money money is a is a you know people the oil and gas industry is going to fight for it and they're going to fight you know tooth and nail because it's all about money um but i just think that you know it's a slow process of like undoing all of that shit mm-hmm. and i say that coming from rural oklahoma where most of my friends are in the oil industry you know who i love and who need jobs but um it's something that can't sustain itself <laughs>
what advice would you give to yourself um, 10 years ago as a creative person? As a creative person, I would give my advice to myself. I had a lot of fun, um, but I spent a little too much time enjoying being an artist and partying and like, uh, you know, like doing what you do and like, and like, you know, I was like, I was on the road a lot, you know, and I was traveling a lot and, you know, I was going through, you know, breakup and hard things and whatever. And, you know, like it's a, it's a career that can easily, uh, shape your future and your, um, your work. And it's like, you have to, I wish I would have a little more. I wish that I would have focused a little more serious on my career. I just kind of did it like I always did it, which was like, I'm going to do this and no one's going to tell me I can't. And I had a lot of fun and, but there were times on the road and like being surrounded by people I didn't know and people that probably weren't good for me. And I'm waking up in hotel rooms where it was like, wow, there's like 15 people here crashed out and I don't know any of them. Like, what am I doing? You know? And, and there was a lot of wake up moments like that where, um, you know, and I'm not saying don't have fun. It was fun, but I wish I would have balanced it more and focused a little bit more on the work that I was doing. You know, um, I would also tell that person not to worry so much because he, I, that is one thing that I've done is I've always worked. Like, like I've got so many things that people don't even know about that I've worked on, you know, like I'm constantly writing, I'm doing a lot of stuff. And so, um, a lot of that comes out of anxiety, I think of like, this fear of like not being able to complete all this work, you know? And I, I would tell myself 10 years ago, like, Hey, you're going to, you know, just, just like live better, take care of yourself and you're going to be able to do this work, you know? Um, and I think that was what I would tell myself. What advice would you give to somebody who's like kind of trying to figure out how to navigate, like breaking into like the film maybe film slash comedy circuit, like an, a young, a young person, like what kind of advice? The advice that I would give is don't be precious about it and just do it. You know, you have, you can make a movie with a device in your pocket right now, you know, and I could show you how to do it, you know, and I have showed youth how to do it. Um, you could make movies right now. So just start doing it. Don't wait for something to happen. That's what I, you know, I always did. It was like, I just started making them and I wasn't afraid to put them out. People are not going to like your shit. Mm-hmm. That's just a thing. Um, people aren't going to like it. People are going to put it down. Uh, and some people might like it. But you always have a chance to make something else and make something new. And so I've just, for better or for worse, I've always been able to just throw stuff out there and say, all right, here it is, you know. Um, so you you already, you already have the tools to make stuff. So just, you know, uh, just do it. And no one's going to like... No one, you have one life. No one's going to force you to do this stuff. No one's going to tell you that you need to get up and make films or do comedy, but you're going to have to do it yourself. So how do you protect yourself from like trolls and uh, from that negative stuff? Like what's your self care tip for yeah. that? It's weird. Cause I've been pretty lucky so far. Um, but it's personal. You know, you take it personal. I remember when I got a bad review, uh, off my film at, Sundance Film Festival the first review came out was from the Salt Lake City Tribune and it was a bad review all the rest of the reviews I got were good but the first one I got was bad 
And my dad, we were in the hotel room, and my dad was like pissed. He was wanting to go to Salt Lake City and find this like rider and like beat the shit out of him, you know, <laughs> because it hurts, you know. And it's mm-hmm. like it's a personal thing, and it's like you know, people can take one thing you do and really, really like, like really shit on you for it, and they don't take into they don't take into um, consideration all the other things that you've done to get here. And if in that quick, you can like tear someone down and it's such a like, um, easy thing to do is tear people down. But like, you know, I've always like had the mind of like, instead of doing that, I'm just like, you know, cause I feel like everything that I do, whether it's documentaries, whether it's feature films, whether it's drawing, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, um, you know, comedies, uh, whatever. Um, it's all been to, I've had this like need to fill this void. There's a lot of people complaining about, you know, bad imagery and bad representation of native people. Um, as a, you know, there's a lot of people that complain about like, whether it's mascots or the bad imagery or the, or the bad representation, but there's not enough people filling, filling that space. There's a void there that we need Mm -hmm. and we have to fill it. And so instead of like focusing on what, what shouldn't be out there as much, like I've tried to be the answer to that. Like I've tried to like fill that void. Um, but all you can do is move forward and, you know, try not to care about what people think, but that's hard. (laughs) so the the answer is there's no answer i'll tell you the answer for me is i have a life outside of this you know like Mm -hmm. people can people could come like people can talk shit online or whatever and that's fine you know because i'll be in october i'll be in the woods hunting with my dad yeah and like uh remembering the authenticity yeah and remembering, you know, like I've always tried to keep a hold of why I'm here and like, and like go home and, and, um, and you know, in the end, my grandmas are passed away. My aunts, like everybody that like the were elders that I like adored are gone and that's, it sucks. But like, you know, I know that they were proud of me and like, that's, that's the only approval I need really. You know, that's the only approval you need is like, if you make your community happy, if you make your family happy. If you make the people you love happy, then, you know, that's whatever. Awesome. Yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. We forget that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like our our elders are so disposable in our Western culture today that it's really important to remember that that community and elder approval is so healthy. Yeah, I was really afraid um, when I first made my short film, uh, Good Night Irene, which you can find online now. And... I had a screening of it back home for the first time and it takes place back home, but I was nervous of all the elders that were going to be there. Cause like f- the F bombs dropped a few times in the beginning. And my uncle, who's a preacher, I saw him walk in. I was like, shit, him and my, his wife, my great aunt, <laughs> like shit, man, like all these fucking people are going to be turned so upset with this, you know? And they loved it. And I realized like my uncle loved it. And I realized it was like, as long as you're telling the truth, as long as you're coming from a truthful place, it's not about showing everyone as rosy red 
oh, I'm so perfect, I'm native, I'm the Huxtables, you know? It's like, as long as you come from truth, it's better to show the dark, the, the complexities of us, you know? We're human. Mm-hmm. Some of us are dark, some of us are funny, uh, some of us are both. Um, and as long as you're telling the truth, you know, you can have fucked up characters. It's okay, you know? And, you know, and I appreciate Louise Erdrich's work because of that, you know? Like, yeah. she's not afraid to show fucked up characters because you know we all have them we know that yeah yeah Yeah, totally um well i have one last thing okay you know um first before i ask you or tell you or reflect on this last thing um i just want to say thanks thank you it's so exciting to be here with you and um in your hotel in santa fe while you're shooting (laughs) a film or a a series yeah. and thank you you're welcome thank you so if there was one thing that um you could say to the world and this is um your platform this podcast this would be your soapbox moment yeah. um anything you want to the world uh, put it put it out there what would it be hmm. you know it's like i really get worried about I, I I get really worried and freaked out about like the like social media kind of thing that's happened because it has sort of forced us to you know we we sort of put forth one version of ourselves and sometimes that version can be really negative and or fake or you know trying to make us look good or trying to make us look thin when we're not or trying to make us look thick when we're not you know whatever you know whatever that is it's like this really inauthentic um platform for us to kind of like show some of our worst sides and it's also done some beautiful things i mean like you know i kept up i felt like i was in the room with you in chinupa during Standing Rock, mm. you know, because we would post things. Yeah. And I, you know, I would share something that you or Chinupa put out. And it was a conversation that we were having, even though the, even though you were in New Mexico and I was in Oklahoma, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's beautiful things. Like, I get to know, you know, your family and, 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 you know, you get to share people's stories with each other. But there's such a negative thing that happens with it as well. And I think that it gets harder and harder to be okay with the complexity, the complexities that we all have, especially from the communities that we come from. And it scares me because, you know, I meet a lot of youth, like I travel a lot and I I meet a lot of people and, you know, people talk about, um, you know, the, you know, the, 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 uh, situation the horrible situation in a lot of communities where suicide you know native youth suicide and different things like that are are on the rise and um and you know i've experienced it i've seen it happen Mm. um and i think that there is a pressure to be a certain way in our because of social media and you have to present this thing and you see other people presenting this thing of themselves what might not be true but puts pressure on you to look at your life and not be satisfied with what's happening but that's all fake and it's all it's all bullshit and 
you have to you know celebrate the weirdness that you are and the and the complexities that you have i mean like i was a weird kid you know like i i i i don't know that i would have handled the social media thing as well because like there's a big pressure to be a certain way when i became who i am because i was able to explore and be different and and change who i wanted to be and fall in love with different things and learn different things and and you know i grew up listening to uh old like bob dylan and classic rock and i i read biographies on them and like I, you know, and I was able to do that. It wasn't, there wasn't, you know, like I live, but I was also in rural Oklahoma and I was surrounded by country music that I ended up loving and whatever, you know, it was just like this whole, like there's this whole world out there that I feel like doesn't get explored as much because we're not encouraged to explore it as much because we have to like live online and we have these pressures of like, you know, trying to be something that we're not. And I feel it, and I know that it's got to be worse for kids. Like it's got to be so bad for fourteen-year-olds, thirteen-year-olds, because we feel the pressure yeah. of, of of social media. I mean, you got off Facebook, you know, and yeah. it's like um, you feel this like darkness and these these layers of what's happening, and like, um, and and people, and you know, it's like there's going to be things that hurt and there's going to be things that feel good. And we have to experience those. And it, you feel this pressure to be a certain way, but like, you know, you have to celebrate the idiosyncrasies, right? Is that right? <laughs> Idiocracy? No, idiosyncrasy. Chrysosassy. You have to celebrate the weirdness of ourselves. We have to celebrate, you know, people that are different and we have to celebrate how complex humans are, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and that's what I would try to leave with young people. And because I've seen a lot and I've worked with a lot and like, it's, it's, you know, well, one time we went to, um, we went to, uh, Chamawa Indian boarding school in the Northwest and we were doing this little Northwest tour, the 1491s, before we got to Chamawa. And Chamawa's a boarding school, and it's an old boarding school from the 1800s. And everyone kept warning us at these colleges and these different Native communities. Everyone kept warning us about Chamawa when we would tell them we were going there. They're like, oh, the rugged man. That's a rugged. You're going to get a knife in your back and blah, blah, blah. And those kids are rugged and blah, blah. And we got there. We were expecting like the worst, you know, like fucking prison, you know, like, you know, people throwing shit at us and stuff. But we got there and it was this group of kids and they were like amazing because they were just like us. They were the weird kids Mm -hmm. from their childhood, just like us. And I know that's why youth respond to us, the fortune anyone so well, because we don't lecture them. We just hang out with them mm. and show them how stupid we are and how <laughs> insane we are and how we celebrate that about ourselves. And they're like, oh my God, they're doing the exact same thing that we do. And this is what we get in trouble for. And this is why we're bad students. And mm. so we sort of like show them that it's okay. And so we got there and all these kids are just like us. And we start hanging out. And thankfully the administration and everybody just left us, do, let us do our thing. And we said what we were trying to decide we're going to do a video with them. Like, so we were, and we were, none of us were excited to do that. We don't like doing videos, you know, with a bunch with like 35 kids, 50 kids. Yeah. Um, 
because it takes all day. Mm-hmm. And so we started like we were. I started. We all started asking them questions like, "What do you? You know, give us some stories. Like, what's going on?" And I said, "Does any has anyone ever tried to escape here?" And this girl said, "I." Uh, she was like, uh, she was like, I escaped. Um, she's like, I do sometimes. It's like, really? Like, what? Why? What would you do? She was like, and she told the story about how they hate. She hates the food in this boarding school, and so her her uncle, who's like a couple years older than her, would open the fence, and she would sneak out, and she would go pick wild berries and bring them back and share them with her friends, and it was like the most in- native thing I've ever ever heard, and beautiful, and like. So, and then this other kid was like, yeah, I, I leave every day and I go to the store and get a monster and come back, you know, and like, <laughs> he was really cool. And so we cast him as the lead. We had, we adapted her story into this video and it was all about this kid escaping. And so we made it like a heist, like, like, like escape movie, you know? And so like, you know, they're tricking the administration and they're like fucking all these secrets and like, you know, like code words and shit. And like one kid has an elk call that he does. And like, you know, he whistles like an elk. And, uh, and there was woman, this one girl who was the one whose story was like makes medicine and like puts Ryan to sleep. He's a guard, you know, and like the kid sneaks off and he jumps a fence and takes off and he gets these berries and he brings them back and it ends with them all in slow motion, eating these berries and like sharing these berries. Mm. And it was one of the coolest groups we'd ever worked with you know and i think that's what i'm saying is like you know i that's what the work that with the 1491 is some of my favorite work you know because we were able to celebrate being different mm-hmm. and and celebrate that humor and celebrate being goofy and you know i would just encourage kids to also celebrate that and not get too wound up and caught up in what other people are trying to say that they should be and a lot of that comes online. So Yeah, and don't believe everyone who tells you you're bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly, because those kids weren't bad. They were yeah. amazing. I would have rather have hung out with them than any of the like college students that were telling us that they're bad, you know? Yeah. And uh, just like I said, you know, I, I got paddled for drawing when I was young, you know, and it's like uh, – I make I make a living off of that, you know, like yeah. I'm going to send my daughter to college off of that, you know. Um and it was because I wasn't afraid to be different and I wasn't afraid to say fuck this, I'm going to do it, you know, like you know how weird that is coming from Holdenville, Oklahoma, like small rural Oklahoma. Not everyone is leaving saying I'm going to go make movies, you know. Um and so I get to do it and that's pretty, you know, it's a blessing and it's great. Mm. Tulsa County Stars Hang me in the Tulsa County Stars Meet me where I land If I slip and fall too far Hang me in the Tulsa County Stars Well, I don't want to come back down to earth No, I don't want to come back down to earth My heart is going heavy the ever endless hurt So I don't want to come back down to earth Babe, I know 
This life will make you cold and drive you mad Leave you homesick for a home you never had Burning out the good with all the bad So darling, let the charmers lean the room They're drowning out the Nashville moon I wanna learn exactly who you are Then hang me in the Tulsa County Star Find me in the Indian nation sky You can find me in the Indian nation sky When it feels like nothing's real And no one's standing on your side Just find me in the Indian nation sky And I'd set ablaze the secrets I concealed I'd set ablaze the secrets we concealed If I could make you feel Where you make me feel I'd set ablaze The secrets we conceal Babe, I know This world will have the wolves Outside your door Make you leave all that you love To fight a war I never tell you what you're dying for So darling, let the charmers lean the room Let them have that Nashville moon I want to know exactly who you are Then hang me in the Tulsa County stars Just hang me in the Tulsa County stars